Rock Solid Radio wants to thank Maxwell Construction, who has been our sponsor since the very beginning. For over 30 years, Maxwell has delivered the highest quality projects by holding to their core values of customer satisfaction, positive attitude, respect, and excellence. So if you have any kind of commercial construction need, give Maxwell Construction a call today at 812-537-2200. Welcome to Rock Solid Radio. I am Linda Hutchinson, the Executive Director of Rock Solid Families, and I'm here with my husband, Merle. Hi, Merle. Well, hello, Linda. How are you? Good, good. We are are not alone today. No, we're not. We kind of are, but we're not. We're in our own studio, but we have a guest today. A very special guest. I want to introduce you to Elisa Childers. And uh, Elisa, um, I'm just going to say it right now. I didn't tell you this before we record. You are a former band member of the Christian band Zoe Girl, and I just happened to find my um, Zoe Girl CD. I knew you nice. before I knew you. That's so cool. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> now, I would like to say that I listened, but that would be a lie. Hey, so I'm not going to say that. I had to dig hard, Got to keep it honest. I had to dig hard with all my cut lists and casting crowns and DC talk and newsboys and all those guys. So, so anyway, but um Elisa, I was also blessed to work with you several years um, at Whitewater Crossing Church. You helped us lead worship while I was on staff there. And so um, you were one of our regular worship leaders. And I'm just telling you, and I said this before we push record, like you led me to the throne room more than once, just in your rawness and your authenticity and your love for the Lord. Um, You have, God has given you such a beautiful gift and uh, I miss having you and, and worshiping with you, but um, yeah, I miss you guys too. I mean, honestly, it's like the Lord was, has just been so faithful in my journey to, you know, right about when I stopped coming up there, which is around COVID, you know, when COVID hit, nobody yeah. was going anywhere. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. And that's right when this whole thing kind of took off and it was just yeah. a natural transition, but I miss you guys. Yeah. yeah. So explain a little bit, uh, for anyone who doesn't really know your story. So you did start off in the music world and singing and even leading worship, but now you're in a totally different world (laughs) in a lot of ways. I mean, I'll be honest with you. The first time, like I heard you sing from the, uh, from the stage quite a few times at church, but then that one time you kind of stepped back and you gave this talk of Mm -hmm. like your faith. And I'm like, she's not allowed to do that. She's supposed to be a singer. Like she's actually got a lot of depth to her, but she's preaching now. So what was uh, transpiring there with your movement into the speaking and teaching and researching? Yeah. So gosh, so right about the time that I started coming to Whitewater, I think my son Aiden was maybe a year old, maybe eight or nine months old, some, somewhere in there. And so prior to that, um, I had gone through a really dark night of the soul crisis of faith. And honestly, it was it was years to come fully out of it. So even I look back and we were talking about this before I look back at the time of God leading me to Whitewater just once every couple of months, you know, to be able to sing those songs and, and be around um, real Christians was just 
it's hugely stabilizing in my life because at the time when I was pregnant with my son, throughout that whole time of my pregnancy, and even when he was just an infant and a newborn, his first, first, you know, several months of his life, I was in a process called deconstruction. I didn't know what that was at the time. Yeah. And I was, I felt a lot of a shame. I felt a lot of shame yeah. about it because I felt like I was losing my faith. And this was as a result of having been at a church that would eventually become a progressive Christian church, but they were really tearing down and mm -hmm. explaining away all of these really core doctrines of Christianity that I believed all my life. And so when I, when I came to Whitewater, in fact, it's really interesting. It was a connection at that church that connected me with Whitewater. This was before they were progressive. So it was just like all around that time. Yeah. Um, and so I, I was so thankful to have that. But I remember many Sundays just getting up and just singing those songs by faith mm. and the Lord really meeting me there in that moment yeah. and just helping to rebuild that, which took years. But yeah. um, so that's such a sweet part of my story and, and Whitewater being a part of that. Wow. But I never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing now. <laughs> I, I never thought, yeah. I mean, I was just barely hanging on to my faith yeah. when I first met you guys. Yeah. And then throughout the process of just, you know, the Lord walking me through a reconstruction, mm -hmm. there came a point in time, you know, because I did that for 10 years. I was at Whitewater for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, five or six years into it, I started sharing some of the things, you know, mm -hmm. like before a song or just sharing some of the right. things I'd learned. Mm -hmm. And then it, that led to, I remember, uh, you know, doing an after church apologetics little class we did mm -hmm. that one time. And so, so all of that kind of happened yeah. while I was at yeah. Whitewater and which led to me starting a blog and a podcast and writing books and doing everything I'm doing today. Yeah. yeah. So let's do a little vocabulary work because as Burl said, he's about the fifth grade reading level. Well, I don't want to admit that completely, <laughs> but yeah, it's not too much further than so that. So let's do some vocabulary here. So deconstruction you talked about. Talk talk to us about that word because that is kind of a newer word. You didn't even realize what that was at the time. So tell me a little bit about what that is. So deconstruction is really a phenomenon. It's a process that a lot of Christians are going through who grew up in the church, and they've never really critically assessed why they believe the things they do or if they even believe the things they do. And so what will often happen when people go into a type of faith deconstruction is it's usually triggered by a faith crisis. Mm -hmm. And then there's sort of this free fall of, I don't know what's true anymore. I don't know what, what I believe. And very often, though, is that what we see in the deconstruction movement, because it's become a movement online, mm -hmm. very often we see people actually rejecting and walking away from core tenets of the historic Christian faith. Mm -hmm. And so in that sense, I think that it, I think my story is a bit unusual that mine ended up in a reconstruction <laughs> to a historic faith. You don't see yeah. that a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, but what you do see is almost this platformed movement on Instagram and Facebook where people are actively trying to tear down the Christian faith, mm -hmm. inviting people into that process. And so I think in that sense, it can be very um, detrimental to people's faith. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something I try to warn people about. It was not a pleasant yeah. thing I went through. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Um, I'm so thankful that I had people around me, like the people at Whitewater and at, at the church that I was at at the time in Nashville, to uh, just continually point me to truth. But what we see happening in this phenomenon is often people will leave their church communities and then deconstruct with other people who are deconstructing. And so right. they're not doing that within the context of the body of Christ. And so it can be a very dangerous thing, I think. Yeah, yeah we would call that misery loves company. <laughs> yeah. Right? Well, it's that yeah. idea, like if I don't like something and I can get somebody else to have a similar experience, then we can kind of commiserate. And it, it's built such a large energy and platform um, that it's, it's, it's common throughout our, our culture. Yeah. So what about progressive Christianity then? What would you, 
how would you define that? Right. So this church that I had been at that sort of facilitated my faith crisis went on years later to rebrand themselves. They um, six, seven years later, they said, we are now a progressive Christian community. They took down the apostles and Nicene creeds from their website. They put up their own faith statement. And it was that was the first time I'd heard the phrase progressive Christianity. And so this was, of course, years later. My faith had been rebuilt. I'd been studying and, and really reconstructing my faith. Mm-hmm. And it was at that time I went, I want to know what this is about. So I did a deep dive study. I read their books, listened to their podcasts. And progressive Christianity is hard to define. I mean, that we have to admit that. It's very slippery. There's a lot of beliefs that fall under that umbrella. It's very fluid and constantly changing. But what I discovered in my research is that although there's a lot of different things they will affirm, they're pretty united in what they deny. And mm-hmm. so what they are doing is denying core essentials of the Christian faith, the idea that sin separates us from God or that humans have an inherent sinful nature. Um, There's a large denial of the atonement that Jesus' death was necessary for the, as a sacrifice for our sins. Mm. Um, There's usually a denial of hell, you know, so it's, there could be different views of what heaven's going to be like, but the unanimous conclusion is that hell isn't going to exist or be a place that we need to worry about. And so you can see these are denials right along like core doctrines of what defines Christianity, what even makes the gospel, the good news, good news is there has to be some bad news, right? Otherwise it's just news. It's (laughs) not good news. Mm -hmm. So there's a a denial of those things in progressive Christianity. It's a huge movement that's coming up and out of the evangelical church. Wow. And when you take out sin out of the world, then, you know, everything seems Pollyanna and, you know, no need for a savior, right? Like, why would you need a savior if, you know? Yeah. You don't actually need to be saved in any kind of uh, salvation, you know, spiritual salvation sense in progressive Christianity. What a a lie of the enemy that uh, a lot of people are buying. So one last word, and it's actually a word that when I was on staff in another church, we had um, the previous president of the seminary who taught an apologetics class. And here I was, you know, this new Christian on staff, and, and I'm like, help me out here. Like, thank God for Google at the time, like apologetics. <laughs> and so there's a lot of our listeners who are really like clueless as to, you know, you speak on apologetics in your podcasts and your books. And so help us understand what apologetics is. So it's way simpler than a lot of people realize. Apologetics just means that you're giving a reason for what you believe. Mm. So there, everybody does it. Pe- mm. Vegans do it. Muslims do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people who are trying to sell you a product do it. They're giving you a reason. And apologia is the Greek word. So biblically speaking, for Christians, this comes from for, uh, it's First Peter three fifteen or Second Peter three fifteen. I always get them mixed up, but it says always be ready to give a reason for the hope that is within you. Right? We all know this right. verse. Well, that word that is in Greek that's translated into English as reason is the Greek word apologia. And it's actually a courtroom term. So back in the first century, if you were accused of a crime, you would be given the opportunity to come bring an apologia to the court and try to defend yourself. And so that's why we say it's defending the faith, because we're giving reasoned answers to why we believe Christianity is true. And it's really that simple. Now, people can apply it in a lot of different ways, but in a certain sense, 
all of us as Christians are already doing apologetics. If you've ever told somebody why you're a Christian, well, congratulations, you're an apologist. So why not be a good one, right? Not become right, a good right. one. But you right? know, Elisa, that is so important because what you just said is we have to know our why. We have to know why we're here. We have to know why Jesus came, why he died, why God loves, like we have to know our why. And if we're not prepared, if we're not equipped to know our why and to share that hope that we have. It is first Peter three fifteen. I love that verse. And I talk about it all the time because we're going to be challenged. We're going to be questioned. And so are you ready to explain your why? Are you ready to defend the gospel? Because there's so much, I mean, you and I, honey, right. grew up in that Christian faith where our, our faith wasn't challenged. Everybody we knew was a Christian, right? Now you're the minority. Well, but I'll even go and Elisa, I think uh, probably in a very similar time frame, and I think maybe it's because life starts to grab you by the tail and you're not quite who you thought you were. Uh, it was in our early 30s, late 20s, early 30s. I mean, we grew up uh, in a Christian home, a Catholic home, and we just did things because we just did things and we didn't know the why. We didn't know the why. And I'm not one who goes along with not reason. Like I have to understand why I do stuff. Yeah. And so I started kicking back. Yeah. Um, but by, by the nature of the beast, and I think I want to be careful here. Um, you can kind of correct me. I started to have to deconstruct my own thoughts because I didn't know really like what I was built on. Yeah. Like I had, I started questioning my faith, my upbringing. So, and to some degree, like we always talk, like we don't want our kids faith to be our faith. We want our kids faith to be their faith. Yeah. And in order for it to be their faith, they're going to have to go through a sort of a, a construction demolition sort of, well, why mm -hmm. do we believe this? Well, I don't know. Well, okay. Then figure out why you don't know. And so, you know, by the time we were in our late thirties, we had started to come to the idea of, oh, mm -hmm. this is the why. This mm -hmm. is the why we should follow this word and how true this word is. So it's a like, I would never not want somebody to go through that process because that process is a purification process. Mm -hmm. Like we're more solid in our faith now because we did go through the, the, the tearing down. I think the important part was, thankfully, we had people around us that helped pour into us. Like you talked about Whitewater and your other church in, in uh, Tennessee that helped to speak into you. Well, what if there isn't somebody that speaks well into you? Or they speak the wrong thing. Or they, you, mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and yeah. so it's, it's, it's a, it's not a time that I want somebody to avoid, but I certainly want them to know how to walk through it. Well, yeah, I think that that's a really um, important thing when we think through the words we use to describe these things, because I agree with you 100%. I think that we need to encourage our kids, our Christians in our lives to always be reforming, always be like if a doubt pops up, don't just push that down because those doubts start to compile. And then one day it's just going to be like an explosion, right? Mm -hmm. We should ask questions of why ask do we be believe the Bible is God's word? Do I believe the Bible is God's word? Why do I believe that Christianity is true? What do I think the historic claims, claims of Christianity are? And, you know, have doubts about these things. I think 
think we should always encourage Christians to just walk into their doubts, mm-hmm. investigate the truth of what, you know, what is true, what reflects reality. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think we should be afraid of those questions. And I agree. I've told my kids this, like construct your faith. Right. in a way that you know reflects reality yeah. like i can't do that for you you have to do that yeah. now the reason i would i would try to persuade people not to use the word deconstruction for that and i'll tell you why <laughs> oh yeah no no I, I just used it because we threw that no no i no, i appreciate you but i but i think it brings up a good point though that we have to realize the reason i would say you know yes do all that stuff but maybe you know if i could persuade people to not use because a lot of people do use deconstruction to mean that right. but the reason i'm i'm kind of trying to persuade people like don't use that word is because it's really a, a more modern word that mm-hmm. it flows out of postmodern philosophy of the 60s there was a guy named jacques derrida he didn't believe that words had meaning he didn't think you could pin words down to singular meanings on their own so that mm-hmm. led to the deconstruction of text he's actually called the father of deconstructionism mm-hmm. and i think that's what we see more often than not when people use the word is that it's weighted with this postmodern baggage which yeah. you know postmodernism really just means what's true for you is true for you and what's right. true for me is true for me so deconstruction mm-hmm. as a movement is really more about finding your truth it's about you know i'm going to figure out what works for me in life i'm going to find the things i agree with and I'm going to piece together my worldview and I'm going to deconstruct this Christianity stuff. And so, so often I think that, um, I just, I think it's a modern word. It's a postmodern word. I think we should, we have words to describe, you know, doubt, walking through doubt, reforming our faith, constantly being thoughtful about what we believe and why we believe it. Um, you know, we're not afraid of questions. I think all of that is so important to communicate. Um, but this whole new kind of this word deconstruction has only been recently been used in a more positive sense. And I'm kind of at, in real time going, you know, is that, a, is that a good idea? So that's what um, I'm co-writing a book right now on deconstruction. We're asking all these questions, trying to get to the bottom of it. But, um, but yes, it, it, what you're saying, Christians should not be afraid of those kinds of processes. Yeah. Right. You know, and um, was in children's ministry world for 17 plus years. And, you know, I always would tell parents like, at some point, your child is going to have to transition from what you're telling them to believing it for themselves. And so that faith transition can sometimes be a faith crisis where they, they do question and doubt everything mommy yeah. and daddy have been telling them and what their you know children's ministry teacher has been telling them. And they have to go and ask some hard questions and confirm if they blot. But our point is, is that you go to God and his word, you know, and, and, and other trusted people that believe in and go to God in his word for the answers. And so my question for you, Elise, is how do parents safeguard their children and family from this this postmodern philosophies and this progressive movement that we're seeing and this deconstruction that's becoming this popular new trend um, that's really destroying the tenets and the foundation Mm -hmm. of faith for our families? How can parents safeguard that for their children? I honestly think that the best way for for Christian parents to approach all of this stuff with their kids is to really establish is going to sound maybe strange to a Christian, a Christian parent, but it's critical thinking. That's the key. And I'll tell you why Um, we've talked about postmodernism. It's this kind of mushy wishy-washy truth is all relative you know even if i know what works for me it's not i don't have the right to tell somebody else it might work for them because it's all about postmodernism it's all about what works for you like what you find your truth you find your path and your truth and 
Um, our kids are being so indoctrinated into viewing truth that way that when you present the gospel to somebody who believes that about truth, I mean, they might even think, oh, that, I'm so glad you found something that, that works, works for, for you. you. Like, right. That's great. <laughs> right. I think it's beautiful. I mean, you know, that, that's not necessarily good for me, but that's great for you. And I'm, I'm happy for you. And then Christians who are rooted in objective truth are going to be like, wait, what's going on? So teaching our children, like, here's what truth means. And then proving it to them, showing them, demonstrating it in reality. Mm -hmm. You know, there are objective truths in the world that we can know. Here's an example. And then challenging our kids to think about, hey, maybe religion is not in the category of subjective preference, like a, picking a flavor of ice cream. Here's why. <laughs> you know, Christianity yeah. claims that if Jesus wasn't resurrected in reality, in objective reality, then, then Christianity is not true and you should reject it. Yeah. I mean, Paul said, if your faith's in vain, you're still in your sins. So if you're going to be a Christian, you actually have to believe that truth exists and can be known. Mm -hmm. So teaching our kids to even think critically about ideas. I, I tell kids when I do apologetics series with kids, I'm not here to tell you what to think, but I will, my, I mean, I'll be gosh darned if I can't teach you how to I'm think safe. well. Right. Yes. Yep. And so I think um, I see so much of the conversations break down at the level of critical thinking. People just haven't been taught to think in precise categories. They haven't been taught to think in categories of truth. And I think for kids, like you, you can present the gospel and the Holy Spirit can always use that, of course. But so often we have to step back a little bit and really kind of make a case for the nature of truth, with truth being a real thing. Yeah. yeah. It's funny that you mentioned case because um, I saw that Lee Strobel wrote your foreword or introduction. I forget what it's called, but, um, and he said that your book, another gospel, the lifelong Christian seeks truth in the response to progressive Christianity. You really unpack all this that you're just talking about. And I love how he wrote that this may be the most influential book you will read this year. Wow. You got Lee Strobel to say <laughs> that about your book. And that's a man yeah. who doubted, you know, everything he had ever believed and came out with the answer of, no, it is Jesus. He is real. And, yeah. and so I love that. I love that, you know, that in a culture of yeah. endless questions, you know, we need some solid answers. That's where rock solid families comes from. We know just like the story of the wise and foolish builders, you have two choices. You can build on sand and the storms are going to hit and they're going to knock it down, or you can build on the rock mm. so that no matter what storm we say it all the time, we can't storm proof your life but we can help you or we can't storm have storm free life, but we can help you storm proof your life mm, that is only built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And what you're saying is those truths and how it's working for you and whatever you feel like it doesn't fare so well in the reality of life and what comes when things get tough. Because yeah, what feels good today might feel good today. I mean, you can take a drug to make you feel good. Right. It doesn't right. mean it's good for your life in the long run. And so yeah. I think that's why it's so important that we not go by what might be feeling right in the moment. I mean, let's be honest, Christianity doesn't always feel like it's working. No. You know, right. you wake up some days and, and people are calling you names and things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have to train people, our kids especially, that it's not, don't follow just what makes you feel good in the moment because that might not actually be good yeah. in the long uh, run. Alisa, you know, I, from a parenting perspective, and that's a lot of the work that we do in the parenting realm is the uh, 
helping our kids become critical thinkers. Mm -hmm. And uh, when one of our sons uh, went off to college, and it's been a number of years ago now, but when he went off to college, you know, he grew up in our nice little Christian home sort of nest and did all of that stuff. And he went to a very well-known sort of public party school uh, Mm -hmm. in in the area. And around Thanksgiving, he came home and he was angry. He was angry at us not at the oh. school. He was angry at us. And we're like, okay, he's like, we need to talk. And we're like, all right. <laughs> Sounds like we're in trouble by our own child. And uh, he, he basically said like, I feel like you and mom basically just sheltered me from everything. And, Have you ever heard a- Sorry. and you're good. <laughs> and then uh, now I'm coming to these places and I'm seeing people I like, but they don't live the way I do. And they have different things. And you're trying to tell me that they're bad and all this. And, and so it was really that faith crisis for him. Mm. And, our, and our words to him were just this, like, hey, first off, you know, everybody, you get one shot at this parenting thing. So we're not going <laughs> to claim to be perfect parents. But if you're questioning your faith, I get it completely. But the only thing I'm not going to let you do is just go ahead and let it sit on the shelf. And mm. so we just said, hey, all right, if you don't like what we again what we brought you up with then you start proving to us what you do believe in and and why why. and so that was the only thing that i said like uh, go go to the fight and start figuring it out because you know i get it mommy and daddy's word don't mean much now and you're Mm -hmm. you're a grown man so go figure it out and it was really a neat thing from a parenting perspective we the only time we were on his case was to say well what are you learning Tell us mm. what you're coming up with. It's you know, good. the idea of doing That's nothing really was not something we were going to let sit. It was going to be That's like, so hey, wise. It, well, so if wise. you come in my house and you're going to complain about what we did, then show me what you're going to do to learn. And it was kind of like the Lee Strobel, like he's going to go on the journey to learn. And I think it's been really kind of neat to watch him now go through that formation process of his own faith. And he can, yeah. you know, we're all in the process of growing, but it was just that like, okay, go prove it for yourself. You need to do the search. So good, because that's the thing is so often somebody can hear a skeptical claim about Christianity, or they might read, you know, some historical Jesus, you know, liberal scholarship. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, okay, well, that's all whatever. But I love that you, you, you're like, no, 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 let's keep cross-examining and you have to, you know, you've got to, that's fine. You form your faith, but let's talk, talk it through. I think that's so wise because then you don't just allow them to fall into sort of like, oh, I read one rebuttal and now I'm out. You know? Well, and I think this is also, and this is to the listeners out there who have children and they're trying to protect them in the faith. And that is who are you surrounding your kids with? Because what we did is, okay, you don't trust mom and daddy's word to be truth. And, and we're, you know, we're still, we're leaning on the truth of God's word, but go and, and have that conversations with other people and the people that he had been put in his life, people in our church, people that have poured into him as mentors were other people who believed what we believed. And so we aligned ourselves with people who were like-minded in the faith, who, who grew and founded and built off the tenets of the Christian mm. historical faith. And so that's who we went to. And that, so he could kind of push back on them too. And it was great. It was, I think his faith is stronger because of it. It was that mm. faith crisis we're talking about, but it was um, beautiful. Speaking of that, I loved your book that you co-wrote the mama bear apologetics. 
because we, uh, my women's Bible study, we got together, we all bought a book and we read it and then we unpacked it as parents, like through the eyes of a mom, a mama bear. We called ourselves the mama bears. Yeah, good. And, uh, good. They still meet, by the way. Actually, we still call ourselves mama bears long after that book was done. Every Tuesday night. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. it. It was such a great conversation about exactly that. Maybe Merle and I had not done enough critical thinking as he grew older and, and helping him process that before we left our house. Like in retrospect, I think we were a little bit more of, you know, this is what we believe, but helping him understand why. So Mm. do you have any help for those parents on how do we help our kids kind of explore the why, you know, the critical thinking part, but is there any practical tools that you can give parents that would help them do that with the kids? Yeah, well, I think you guys are, I mean, amazing example. This is honestly the first time I've heard a set of parents say, look, we kind of, maybe we didn't tell them all the things that we, you know, didn't know that we didn't know. My mom actually said to me, I'm so sorry, we didn't, you know, prepare you better for these questions. And I said, but mom, who could have foreseen the internet? Nobody could have foreseen that all of this would have been been in existence. So honestly, my answer would be to do exactly what you guys did. I love that you did this because what you're doing is you're coming alongside, you're like, we know what we believe is true. We're not afraid of any question that you can ask. And I think that signal to a kid that you're not scared of their questions is huge. Mm. I mean, I don't think that it could be understated how huge it is to just be like, okay, you're asking questions, that's fine. Maybe you, you think we didn't, you know, maybe we didn't give you what, you know, maybe you needed for this, but mm. we're here now. So let's keep talking. Tell us what you're learning. Let's meet, let's talk. And I, I think that is, because that's discipleship right? That is active discipleship. And that's the answer to the question you asked. How can parents do it? It's active discipleship. I will tell you about a study that came out that I think is really relevant for people. Um, You know, we've all heard about the sort of the epidemic of kids leaving church after high school. And um, some of those numbers are a little bit inflated because some of those kids end up coming back. So it's really more like 40 to 50% of kids who leave church after high school and, and don't come back. But of the ones who stay, who don't leave. They did a little study among those. And there were two characteristics in their homes that were pretty much across the board the same. Number one, their parents lived the real thing in front of them. They didn't have to be apologists. They didn't have to be scholars. They didn't have to know all the arguments to teach their kids. They just were real Christians. They weren't just Sunday Christians. They lived it. And, and, you know, I don't want people to feel pressured by that. Living it also means repenting when you make mistakes. You're going to fail. Right. You're going right. to fall. And you're going to say, I'm sorry, I, I failed you. Mm-hmm. We had to do this with my son the other day. We failed you. You're, or my daughter. We failed you. You're right. We're sorry. We're, We're going to really try hard to make it better. Mm-hmm. Help us. Give us grace as we try, you know. Um, so that was one. And the other one was that the, the homes were not legalistic, mm-hmm. which I think is huge. So a lot of people who are raised in really legalistic environments mm. end up really having a hard time parsing through the, the different beliefs and what's important, what's not important. It's just all sort of tied together. Yeah. So they yeah. lived the real thing and they weren't legalistic. We have seen the legalism side be every bit as destructive as mm. like almost the no faith 100%. at all. Side. And it's, uh, but learning. So, you know, maybe a question for us here is, you know, what are the signs of progression or uh, progressive Christianity, the red flag, so to speak, but also like, what are the signs of legalistic, you know, (laughs) because uh, parents need to really be aware of both sides. We're really trying to straight strike that, that medium and stick to truth Mm -hmm. rather than legalism and things that don't really have 
you mm-hmm. know, true weight behind them that they need to have. So what are some of your thoughts behind that? Well, uh, so I think legalism is moral restrictions that we add to scripture. That's how I would define that. So legalism is like requiring that. something of somebody that the scripture doesn't require of them. Mm-hmm. So some examples, um, I, there are people in my life who, when they were little kids, they were told, hey, if you're caught in a movie theater or a bowling alley when the rapture happens, you won't go in the rapture. Like you will, you will not go. <laughs> that's <laughs> quintessential legalism because, um, you know, that's adding something to scripture, a moral restriction that does not exist in scripture. Or, um, you know, if you, if a woman cuts her hair, gets a hair trim, um, then that's a sin or, um, questioning your faith is a sin. Um, so, so these are, these are things that the scripture does not communicate does not require of you, yet they're added. It's very similar to what the Pharisees were doing. So they had the Old Testament scriptures and Jesus even said, you void the command of God with your, you know, traditions that you're adding to the scriptures. So they had all of these rules that they added on top of the law that the law did not require of people. Mm -hmm. And so that is legalism. And I think that all of us, you know, we need to fight against those things. Uh, I was talking with somebody just the other day where they realized all their life, they kind of had a legalistic view of something, a particular thing. And, and he was actually saying, I have to, because of the, what the Bible says about it, I have to teach the truth about it, even though I still kind of fight that legalism yeah. in my own heart, yeah. you know? Right, right. And so we all ha- have that, but that, I think that would be the definition of legalism and what people can avoid. And then, um, were you asking like the, the definition That's of progressive? Or- yeah. Like, so how do I know when I'm in a church, you know, we're out church, uh, church shopping, so to speak, like I'm looking yeah. for that church. What are some of those tenants that I see? Oh, this is, I better be careful here. Right. Well, I think the main thing to be looking for in a church that would teach on the more progressive side of things, look for the view of the Bible and the cross and the gospel. Mm -hmm. So in progressive churches, the Bible is going to be lowered. It's even if they say, oh, we believe that the Bible is the word of God or we believe that it's divinely inspired. Is the human element emphasized over the divine element? Is it talked about as a human book that was written about God rather than a book that God breathed out for humans? That's going to be a huge thing to look for. Mm. The cross, you know, the idea that Jesus, uh, the Father, required the blood sacrifice of his son. In the mind of the progressive Christian, this implicates the moral character of God. So we don't want to think of the cross that way. So be looking for any kind of descriptions of the cross that would say, you know, Jesus didn't die to make a sacrifice for your sins. There wasn't a blood atonement necessary. That would be a very progressive type of approach to the cross. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the gospel. Um, you know, we talked earlier. They don't really believe your sin separates you from God. So the gospel is not going to be a gospel of sin and redemption. There's going to be an emphasis on causes and social justice causes. Now, listen, as Christians, we should be doing good works in the world. That's an outflowing of our faith. That's a fruit of our faith, obedience to Christ, taking care of people, giving a cup of cold water in his name, right? This is something that is required of Christians, but that's not what saves us. Right. What saves us is the grace of Jesus Christ. It's his finished work on the cross. And then because we have that, we we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus on the earth. But in progressive Christianity, that's really flipped. So you're going to hear, you're not going to hear that sin and redemption story. You're going to hear more about like, hey, what causes are you advocating for? What mar- what protests are you marching in? What right. systems of, of oppression are you trying to tear down? And so often the, the definition of justice will be more in line with more of a critical, what we call a critical social justice that we see in culture, which would have everything to do with even like, you know, the gay rights agenda and things like that. So that all kind of 
makes its way in. But um, but yeah, I think those three things would be big signs to look for in progressive yeah. churches. Yeah. And the Gen yeah, Z, good. that is a very prevalent um, you know, trait that they really um embrace and they encourage is that whole social justice. Like that's that's their almost their religion. It's becoming their faith yeah. is, mm -hmm. is society and doing good for people. Like I'm a good person. I do good things. And so therefore I'm worthy of, you know, heaven and, you mm. know, eternity. And, and, and we believe that's not good enough. Your good works, you know, faith yeah. is dead, but also, you know, good works is not alone. What you're saved by grace, you know? Right. So his, his blood. Yeah. Well, hey, any final comments or words, Elise, we have, you know, we are so thankful for this conversation. This is such a critical conversation that I am so excited to share with our listeners because I think that there's so many um, people out there who are just being duped. They're, they're kind of just being lulled into this pulling away of the foundation of faith that is really what saves us. It's what mm. brings us that peace. And, um, it's, it's happening under our nose. And mm -hmm. when I listen to your podcast, I get this Merle calls it this, this holy anger. What do you call it? This righteous anger, this righteous <laughs> anger, this righteous passion of like, no, we can't let that happen. And the work that we do, we see the destruction that's occurring in our mm -hmm. families and our homes because of it. And so that's why we felt so, so inclined to ask you on, because we know that mm -hmm. this is such an important part of how our families are going to be healthy and strong. Yeah, I think just final words of encouragement for people would just be, you know, it can be a little overwhelming to hear about false ideas coming into the church and it can cause us to fret and say, oh goodness, we're, you know, almost be hypersensitive to it. But I would just say this, you know, rest in the Lord, know the real thing. If you know the real thing and you know why you believe it, you don't have to go study the counterfeits. You're going to spot them immediately. Right. You're not going to have to wonder, you know, if you have a red flag, investigate it. Don't necessarily assume that your red flag means something's wrong, but that's there for a reason. Maybe there's something you need to investigate and, and measure against scripture, measure against reality. Um, but if you really know the word of God, mm. then you're not going to be duped by a false counterfeit gospel. Amen. And so that's my big message to Christians is know the real thing, because that is really the only safeguard. God has revealed his word to us and, and we need to stand on that. We need to know it and we need to be able to, to recognize anything that would contradict it. And you can only do that if you know it. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think that is just such great <laughs> stuff. You know, I think um, when you talk about knowing God's word, it's the God's word is the expression of his nature. And I think you know, one of the things that I have found myself wrestling with here lately is the idea of uh, we're the only organism that's been created that can actually deny God. Mm. Trees don't, planets <laughs> mm -hmm. don't, nothing else denies yeah. God. They don't, they just do what God's nature presents and, and has them doing. But we in our free will have been given the ability to deny him. And right away mm. that puts us in a position of being a pseudo God because mm -hmm. I can know more. And so, you know, Christ came to actually then be a living example of God's nature. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that just started to hit home with me because so many things that I read in scripture, I didn't agree with like, oh no, they don't yeah. really mean that. Like there's no <laughs> right. way, you know? And it's like, no, like if you do things the way Christ is talking about, we are talking about him in an expression of God's nature, you know? And it, it's, God's nature always prevails, right? Like you're not going to stop 
the, the natural course yeah. of how God right. runs. So yeah. anyway, it's, it's really an interesting battle that we're in, in this time of humanity putting themselves on the throne yeah. mm. and, and, and knowing more. Yeah. And, and the power of, of just uh, the marketing, right? Like, we're mm-hmm. trying to market our own business and we are pathetic at it, right? It's one of the things we struggle with, but man, there are some very good marketers out there and I can sell anybody anything if I have the right marketing and mm. don't, and it's a good point because of that, we have fallen to the, to the buying the ways of the world in so mm. many ways, right? Like when my kid tells me something that goes against God's word, I say, gosh, I'm sorry. Like I, I didn't know that that would offend you. No, I don't need to be sorry. I need to be confident in God's nature. Yeah. Yeah. Because I love that you made that point too. Like if anyone reads the Bible and you just never come across something that you're like, oh, I don't know if I agree with that, then you're probably reading it through like the rose colored lenses of your own moral compass. Because if you don't have a God who can, I think it was Tim Keller who said, if you don't have a God who can contradict you, then you don't have a relationship. You're just worshiping yourself at that point. Right. Right. You yeah, know, yeah. so yeah, there are things in scripture we have to wrestle with because we're yeah. not God. Right. We don't have his w- ultimate wisdom and uh, and all of that. So yeah, it's, it's it's a great point. Yeah. So, hey, as we close, we want to thank again our sponsors for today's show. Yeah, we'd like to, we have a, some sponsors that really believe in the mission that we do here locally in our community. So we want to thank Casey's Outdoor Solutions for all of their support. We want to thank Hummel Insurance as well as Maxwell Construction. So thanks to those folks who believe in the work that we do and continue to be just really strong supporters of healthy communities. Yeah. And Lisa, thank you so much for just spending this time with us. Thank you for sharing um, your just wisdom. And I know that you've done so much research and reading and writing and speaking. And um, I'm thank you for your ministry. I mean, it is a ministry and it's a mission that I think yeah. we share of wanting families to know, you know, the foundation that is available to us, the unshakable foundation of Jesus Christ and his word. And that's what yeah. we believe in too. So if mm-hmm. you're listening out there and um, they want to get a hold of you, Elise, how can they reach you? Yeah, go to elisachilders.com. I've got podcasts. I've got a YouTube channel. You can search my name on YouTube. That's probably my biggest platform right now. Um, and then I've got, actually, if I could just mention this, I've got a book already out called Another Gospel, A Lifelong Christian Seeks Truth in Response to Progressive Christianity. But I have another book coming out in the fall. And it's really going to sort of, uh, it's it's very humorous. There's a lot of stories. It's kind of written along the side, you know, rather than talking down. And it's just embrace. It's just like kind of talking through some of these cultural lies like, you're enough. Live your truth. Uh, you only live once. You should put yourself first. And so that book is called Live Your Truth and Other Lies, How uh, Exposing Popular Deceptions That Are Making Us Anxious, Exhausted, and Self-Obsessed. And so I'm really excited about that book coming out. Yeah. That's not even the one we were talking about no, earlier. Yeah, I know. My middle book is like, don't forget about me. I'm coming out first. <laughs> yeah. Well, that sounds like our reading level. That might be our reading level. We might have to. Yeah. I tried to make it very simple and funny. There's like great stories in there. That's so awesome. yeah. Well, hey, if there's anything that we can do for you, Elise, but if there's anything we can do for your listeners out there, our listeners out there, please reach out to us at rocksolidfamilies.org. You know, we work with individuals and couples and families who are really in this journey. This journey is, you know, as Christians or parents and families trying to find that place where we can find peace and joy. And we believe, you believe, and I believe that that comes only through God and his word. So, um, you know, we thank you for that. So 
you know, you want to sign us off? Well, please? we want to thank all of our listeners out there as well. Do us a favor, guys, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if we're going to get messages like this out, we need your help. And we need your help by sharing our shows, by uh, giving us five-star ratings to help boost us up on the search engines. And so, you know, there is always going to be conversation out there. The question is what kind of conversations? And so we need your help to get these kind of conversations, uh, Lisa's conversations. Let's get those out and moving so that they become much more mainstream so that people do know where they can find truth and just a solidness to build their family on. So we want to thank all of those guys. All right. So I think that's all we got. Elisa, again, thank you so much for being our guest and for the work that you do. It's super exciting. And uh, we just look forward to seeing uh, what you continue to to do. And God uh, uses you in all these different ways. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Rock Solid Radio, building a stronger community, one family at a time. Make it a great day. Rock Solid Radio wants to thank Hummel Insurance Group for sponsoring today's show. Hummel Insurance Group now owns and operates seven different offices located throughout the tri-state area. For over 50 years now, the Hummel Insurance Group has been assisting customers with insurance needs and questions. For all your insurance needs, contact Hummel Insurance Group at 812-537-1785. Rock Solid Radio wants to thank Casey's Outdoor Solutions. Casey's is a premier garden center and gift shop located in Lawrenceburg, Indiana. They offer a wide selection of high-quality plants, landscaping materials, and home decor. They do amazing high-quality work and can help you transform your indoor and outdoor living spaces into something beautiful. So stop by Casey's Outdoor Solutions today and let them know you appreciate their support for Rock Solid Radio. Visit Casey's today at 21481 State Line Road, Lawrenceburg, Indiana.